Is that uh, is that kind of unusual? Oh yeah, it's very unusual. I usually only do one a week, maybe two. Um, right. I'm just uh, also I just wanted to kind of like push myself and see how far I can go. I think, uh, um, yeah, for some reason I just I feel like I work better this way. So it's the the results have been have been pretty good. So yeah, no, I'll just uh, I can just start off and say, well, this is a today we have a special guest, Luke Younger, who is an experimental music producer of electronic music and a sound artist. And he goes under the name Helm. And he is joining us from... Are you in London or... I'm in London, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, northeast London. Okay, yeah. If that means anything to you, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And he has an excellent new record coming out called Axis. And uh, I just... Um, I'm here to, to talk to him about it. And, and I just wanted to say, um, Chemical Flowers, that, that record was just fantastic, by the way. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of weird putting out records because, I don't know, you, you never know who's listening to them and where they're actually going. Um, so I'm always kind of like pleasantly surprised whenever I, you know, come across someone that has actually been listening or paying attention do you know what I mean and like especially considering I've sort of been listening to your podcast for about a year now so it's kind of nice to know you know there's that kind of reciprocal sort of uh reciprocal listening thing or whatever you want to call it going on you know (laughs) yeah no and I I loved Olympic Mess as well uh so your records the one thing I'll say about Axis is I have been listening to it a lot. I was just in Alaska and, you know, boreal forest, uh, helping my family uh, take the fishing boat in from camp because winter was just about to hit because fall um, starts a lot earlier out there. And, you know, yeah. it, it's just I wanted to say it's it was kind of like the perfect it, in many ways. It's like the record I've always wanted to make. Because it, it really is sort of like the the, the soundtrack of peaceful extinction. It, it, there's it, so what what were some sort of like mm, I would say like temporal themes that that cultivated you to just sort of like make this kind of album. Um, well, it was kind of basically started most of the work on this record as a commission for a um a dance performance i've been asked to soundtrack um and that was kind of something i've never really done before uh well yeah i've i've certainly never worked like i've i've worked with dancers but never like it it's never been like a composed kind of thing it's always been more of like an improvised uh, exchange, I guess, where like the dancers are sort of, you know, nothing's choreographed. They're just moving in real time or whatever. Um, but this was the first time I'd ever been hit up to do anything like that. Um, so a lot of the sounds on this record were made with movement in mind. Um, and I guess as a result of that, it maybe kind of seems a bit more physical. And the last two, I guess. Mm. Um, that's kind of how it feels to me anyway. 
Yeah, no, um, definitely. I, when I hear it, I almost sort of see these, um, I get this kind of, you know, it almost sounds like a record that's made very much like it exists sort of free of time, but it's very much of this time in that it really sort of captures the kind of, uh, the kind of dread of the last couple of years that I think, <laughs> I mean, it's just such a severe austere and your recordings have been described, I think as austere in the past, you know, it's definitely, um, yeah. industrial, there's there's a lot of industrial sounds and sort of granular max MSP. I don't want to give any pro. I, I I don't even know if that's what you use. I'm just sort of kind of. If you're close, actually. I mean, I I have used a lot of like granular max patches in the past, definitely on like previous records, um, which I guess like isn't too much. Like if you're familiar with that software, I think you'll be able to pick up on it pretty instantly. You know, it's not like kind of it's not like revolutionary stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, but I do kind of like using that stuff. Yeah, I kind of haven't used Max for a while, and all my granular stuff is now done on an iPad. Oh wow! Um, yeah, which is kind of a lot easier, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, you could just kind of like do that on the bus or you know whatever. Doesn't have to be kind of like anything too sort of serious or pro, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I definitely think the programs have gotten so good for ios in particular it's like do you think that the sort of democratization of music technology especially in dance music like this is something i've thought about because i've i've made techno and in many ways like the an album i did for leaving in 2017 which was all about um psychological subversion it was sort of like a an electronic history of um Psych, like psychic warfare throughout um, throughout the twentieth century. It, in many ways, I almost see it as like you know one of the things I always lamented because I used to use hardware is this yeah. idea that Behringer and all of these companies would be you know making all of this arcane stuff you know like sequential circuits Pro One or. Uh, wasps are being made for $200 now. It almost yeah. was like the the kind of analog sounds had been so codified because because the technology had made it so easy to reproduce these things as physical I almost like undynamic objects. It's yeah, sure. I, yeah, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, no, well, I, I, I was just going to say like it's kind of funny you kind of picked up on the wasp thing because I like on this record I bought one of those, you know, the ex- exact one you're talking about and there's a lot of that on this record. Um, but I mean, I think it's just more like a lot of that technology there's kind of like nothing obviously like if you know how to make that stuff there's it's obviously probably quite easy to make, you know, and, and I mean, like you can get so many kits and things like that for now, for, you know, these kind of things now. Yeah. Um, the entrance point for a lot of it is probably not as intense as it maybe would have been, I don't know, like 25, 30 years ago, perhaps. Um, and I think you could probably say the same about software. I think music software is probably evolving to like, point where it is becoming a lot easier to to use like you can make music that sounds not 
a million miles you know you, you can you can make similar music like this on your phone if you want to you know if if you're smart enough and you've got like the resources and the kind of like creative drive i don't think it's like out the realms of possibility yeah i think <clears throat> but at first i yeah so so going back to that at first i was kind of like shaken up because i had this um you know, I had been listening to stuff on Pan, your stuff. Like, I, I was very sort of, I was familiarized with this kind of European deconstructed sound. But I, I still sort of held on to this, you know, Ashraw 80s kind of, you know, there was this, there was this kind of drive towards analog and dance music and stuff like that and i almost found it i almost find like it more liberating to see people like kids making uh sigil core rap like gnostic satanic rap music on iphones and doing all of the processing <laughs> through idj like i'm almost yeah. i'm almost what's getting, that kind of stuff like oh uh well i had i had um these rappers on the show and they, they're they might be coming on again at called they used to go under jewel set it's astral and slur um but they just make this, oh yeah okay. yeah this like incredible yeah. uh granular just each one of their tracks they 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 see them as their casting spells and i think that it's it's kind of an interesting thing because your your record it has this it has this kind of like intensity that i feel like could only be encapsulated at this moment it, and so in many ways i find it to be like it's strangely soothing because it is so dark and you are i've l listened to your interview on system as systems i i really respect how like uh cryptic or um uh, i guess you would say non-ideological would you say that there would you say there's a certain mood that informed the kind of like making of this album? Yeah, I think probably, yeah. I mean, it was all kind of put together like during the pandemic, I guess. So, I mean, you know, like the first half, I, half of the work on the record was done before the pandemic. Then obviously that started and then it was finished under those conditions. Um, and particularly during the worst parts of it, I would say like the, I mean, I did a lot of work during the first few months where it was just kind of like a bit confusing, um, you know, but I mean, also it was like, I, I can't like complain too much. It was actually, you know, like, cause a lot of that time, all I was really doing, I, I was on furlough from work. So all I was doing was just sitting at my like table in the kitchen, making music and then just like, you know, sitting in my garden in the evening. <laughs> so, you know, it, it wasn't really too bad, but like at the same time, like, yeah, it did everything did feel a little bit uncertain, um, and obviously you can't see anyone, you know, or you know you were kind of told you couldn't, and then that obviously the element of isolation kind of plays into things a little bit more as well, or just makes things a little bit more intense, um, and then that kind of lifted a bit as the sort of months came um, and the rest of the year went on, and it was kind of when I started like maybe seeing people again that I became a bit more stuck with the record and I didn't really know where, like how to progress with it. Mm. Um, 
and I got a bit of a writer's block, which was kind of a bit worrying. Um, but then earlier on this year, when we were all sort of like locked down again, I managed to just like knock, knock the rest of it out pretty quickly. So maybe it was kind of, there is something to say about the conditions of unease and uncertainness that was sort of like put on me that was sort of in tune with the atmosphere of this record. Maybe, I don't know. That's something I've not really thought about up until now, but probably does make some sort of sense perhaps. Right. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, um, I remember the first few months where, and there was kind of meme, uh, that me and some friends were discussing yesterday, um, where it, it's like, what does a woman want in seeking a man before 2020? And it was like, uh, clout, uh, fancy house, uh, money, stability. After 2021, it was like warlord, uh, knows how to uh, hunt uh, kind of thing. So I, I almost find it like, but there was this really sort of quasi enchanting time about those first few months. I think. Um, oh man, I really, lo- I kind of look, do look back on it with fondness in a way. You I, know? Do too. I mean, I, I, it's fucking like, you know, I know some people probably like fucking hate me for saying that, but you know, it was kind of bizarre. I was, you know, being paid to do nothing by the government. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like that's fucking weird. It Um, is weird. Yeah. But then all whilst being told like under the conditions of you can't do anything with your life. So, I mean, I was probably the most, financially comfortable i've ever been ever yeah same i yeah in a lot of ways it helped me start this my entire project i mean i i had started it before that but i i wasn't able to get really really serious and then um then i had to start paying taxes and they took away my extra 300 and all this other stuff so i it it, kind of you know at a certain point obviously it ended i mean it's ended for everybody but i would say in many many cases there was even just aside from that isolation i remember there being this almost like school of sociology moment where i thought that we can have these like liturgical rites and uh you know i would be making bonfires in the la river and sort of like (laughs) i thought that there would be this kind of um this this sort of like return to reenchantment after the 20th century metaphysic project of material enlightenment had gone away and you know I, I i was as things started opening back up i realized that maybe michelle hoelbeck was actually correct in saying like no nope, things are just going to get continuously worse and uh they're just slowly going to manage our decline and uh you know, there's going to be more and more austerity, more like lockdowns mm. will become a function of everyday life when it's um, when it's financially or when it's convenient. To yeah, politically uh, convenient to unleash them in yeah. many ways. Kind of you saw the precursor to this in Italy with Operation Gladio, where you had um, feds in the MI6 infiltrate far right groups to stage terrorist attacks in order to lock down the populace to achieve certain 
um, subversive uh, political agendas. And, and so it's almost like, it's almost sad in many ways because I see the kind of the real struggle of, of the, of 2021 is one of reenchantment and one of trying to find that in this world. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, I mean, I kind of like, I was sort of thinking about this today, like in terms of how life has been sort of coming back to what is feels like normal. But then you try and do something that used to, you would just never, ever think was a problem in the past. Like, you know, just something as simple as like popping over to another country. And there's just so much stuff you have to do beforehand now, you know, like um, it's all this stuff about, you know, like the COVID passes, um, getting the right you know, sort of tests in order to do it. I mean, it's, it's probably not like as difficult as I'm kind of like thinking it is, but at the same time, it just feels a little bit like, I don't know, like like I'm sort of now in the moment where I'm being asked to go and play gigs again in Europe, which obviously I want to do, but then there's all this stuff that I have to do as a result of it. Do you know what I mean? And... I fucking hated the logistics of travel anyway before COVID. So it's just kind of making all of that, like, you know, feel a lot worse. Um, but until I do it, I've no idea if it's going to, you know, how, how bad it really is going to be. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of, it just, you know, the, the more stuff you come up, you come, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a drag, you know, but it's like the, the more stuff you kind of come up against, the more you kind of think, yeah, it kind of does, it does kind of feel like things are, you know, we're, we're being allowed to live our lives again, but under, under what kind of cost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, the logistics thing is incredibly difficult. And it's almost like, I think there, we sort of had this naive assumption that we would, you know, somehow find through technology a kind of new holistic spiritual experience or or at least one that had some vital energy but as we're kind of seeing you know with the digital spaces a lot of that kind of utopianist I- ideals from the from the 90s from web 2.0 are kind of reanimating themselves in these i think what these, like Jimmy, like what what um what do you mean by that exactly i think uh, I think it's it's one of those things where people are seeking the internet to sort of like have these really kind of discursive, creative, um, either conversations or make art or, you know, do things that are really ultra kind of like, let's lean into this digital realm a little bit, only because the alternative is what you were talking about earlier. It's like the kind of logistical nightmare that we're sort of subjected <laughs> to right now. Yeah, we, yeah. And it's like, what is there something outside of these two dimensions? Yeah, it's like a 
it's just people looking for a distraction, I guess, isn't it? Um, <laughs> which I suppose is like, you know, like nothing, I, things like that have always been there. You know, the internet's always been a good way to like just check out from reality. Um, you know, going, going back like since I was a teenager, you know, I can always remember just remember that but it does feel more kind of like pronounced within within culture i suppose i guess like a lot of the you know this kind of like the stuff that has popped up this year like things that i guess a lot of people are hearing that phrase web three for the first time and you did a record called you know? cryptography so it's uh yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I mean, yeah, like, where was I going that before cryptography got mentioned? Um, oh, you're, you were talking about where um, people, you were talking about Web3. Yeah. So I guess that's going to be something, you know, that's kind of a new thing for people to, I don't know, explore and use for whatever kind of advantage they want to get out of it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, what, what advantage would you say that could potentially be just as an artist? Because, I, you know, I'm having a, a very difficult time. Uh, I'm not having, it's not a difficult time. I'm just trying to like wrap my head around where like, so would you say that it might potentially change the way, like what I'm wondering is how is being online in a sort of like on a computer that may be quote unquote different, any better than anything else that predated it. That's kind of what I'm wondering. Mm. Well, like how, how, how does web three make being on the internet any different to the last 30 odd years of, uh, lives is that kind of what you're sort of thinking um because I, I like i sort of feel like a lot of people are pushing this idea of this i mean i i don't know really a lot about it to be honest but like a lot of people do seem to be pushing this web three is like something that's going to save artists or like say you know like save the or like kind of really revolutionize the industry in the favor of artists but i kind of can't really see I'm not convinced of how that's really going to be the reality of the next few years. Do you know what I mean? Like, even yeah. like, especially the way that NFTs have played out in such a short amount of time. Um, you know, like there's a thing today about the, I saw something about some guy just ran off with like, you know, a million dollars or something from some NFT scam. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just like I, and I do, and I, I guess I kind of view a lot of this as well, kind of quite cynically, like in the kind of like arts and music world. It's like a lot of the time, it's just content for people to use in their own. It's like content for people to use in their own existing ways of acting as artists, if that makes any sense. Right. You it's almost, yeah. No, like, that... it's, like, you can probably get, 
a good if you lean into this stuff you can get a very you could probably do quite well speaking about it on like panel discussions in european festivals if you appear to be as knowledgeable enough about it yeah and in many ways i see um i see it all as i mean i see a lot of this stuff as kind of like an appeal to authority in in ways in which you know it's like so it exists outside of these there's this quote unquote space that's you know fully redistributed re, redistributing institutionalized power but at what you know like if you look at the people involved they look just like you know the language everything about it just looks like it's this reified technocracy um, mm. that we've already been kind of experiencing so like one of the things i that's actually i mean really, i don't know how you'd ever re- really redistribute institutional power accurately well this in is in terms of yeah. organizations like you know yeah like i don't know it's and i think that reality is kind of setting in that's almost why i feel like the album just hit at this perfect moment for me i mean i just you know i've been feeling you know, a, a little bit down about a lot of this stuff, I'll be 100% honest, and mm. not exactly knowing where to go. But one thing I, I, I've sort of found by this kind of music that speaks to the time, but lacks a kind of, you know, there's no words, there's no words in any of your music. It's all, um, it's fully sort of free of discursive content. I think in many which ways there's this signal to noise ratio that people are just constantly jamming through because I think one of the issues with neoliberalism that people who are political people on the left and the right, they still think there's a materialistic component that's the main historical force that's kind of like driving this movement or this whatever this moment is. And in many ways it's it's all mediology it's all connected through media and language and so one of the things i thought about you know when political tensions were really rising up is i did like a binaural wordless podcast to kind of um to kind of you know like temper that the discourse a bit as a little what bit what did that kind of uh, what did that consist of what was the it, it was almost kind of like a psychedelic folk, binaural beat, field recording. Uh, it definitely had a bit of like a Popol Vuh feel to it. And it was an yeah. hour long with like Ebo guitars. And it was just consisted of varying loops. And, you know, one of the things that I've been really into lately is, is Zogchen. Tibetan meditation, which is the the repetition of short moments to create of pure clarity of no thought of open intelligence to sort of become continuous throughout your day and it's a practice of that of continuous moments of short of short clarity of thought and mm. so in many ways, I feel like um, the music that 
lacks those words, I think, is a really good way of sort of breaking up the the ontological hell that we're kind of faced with at the moment of that in-between space of what does life, what is life supposed to look like after what happened? And what did this time period do? What did it imprint on us socially and I think that's probably something that we're still going to be probably in a year from now we'll still be asking that question you know what I mean yeah um, but no, I mean I kind of yeah I, I music without any you know the sort of like repeated like I guess the music I make is sort of inspired by a lot of the time just like sounds and things I hear in everyday life um, always kind of has been and there's always been like a, a desire to try and in some ways like recreate what feels like to me are sort of artificial um, environments but through you know like pieces of music or whatever um, and like taking source material from the world and processing it um, so it becomes so sort of far removed from its origins but still kind of like has a kind of organic kind of feel to it yeah um, so you do a lot of like field recording stuff. Do you just capture it with a phone? Do you actively bring a recorder around or? Mostly kind of, mostly with my phone these days, but that's just generally because like I have like a, I have, you know, like a nice microphone and a hard disk recorder, which is like really good for capturing, you know, good quality stuff. But I'm just never like, I very, very rarely take it out the house now. And a lot of the time, like if I do, if I am out and I do hear something that I'm like, ah, oh, that's really interesting. 
I'll just have my phone on me. So, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, the phone kind of does a good job. I mean, that is, especially if you're, you know, like I'm not trying to do any like kind of serious Chris, um, Chris Watson style stuff, you know, so like the phone kind of does a good job, especially when you're just going to kind of completely chop it and turn it into something else afterwards. Um, like in that case, like the sort of the medium doesn't really matter much, that much, you know? Yeah. Especially with EQ. And there are so many ways to sort of cut out those, those kind of nasty frequencies that could potentially, um, or leave them in. I mean, there, there's yeah. so, like, there, there's so much you can do, um, which I think is actually a pretty cool thing. I'm, I'm all for that. Just sort of being spontaneous and getting spontaneous inspiration. And I, like, yeah, I mean, that's the best way, like that, that's the best way to all the best musical kind of moments I've had have always been through just like spontaneous, um, spontaneous decisions and, you know, things where like, I find if I sit down to make, you know, with purposefully to make music or like really try to sort of like for something, I'll never kind of come up with anything that will stand, you know, anything that will become usable. Um, like all the, all the best stuff is just kind of like done in the moment when you least expect it really. And then also a lot of the time when you look back on that stuff, I can, I can't, really remember how it was done either um it was almost like a kind of it sort of feels like a sort of hallucinatory moment looking back on it you know it's like something that wasn't particularly you know didn't feel like a a physical thing that makes sense yeah that makes a lot of dreamlike yeah i would say tower the last track of the album is really really poignant could you explain a little bit about about that one uh yeah well that's that was done used a lot of that wasp thing that um we were talking about earlier the oh Berenger man i thing. gotta get one of those now uh, it's, yeah it's good i mean it's like 200 you could probably get one for like 200 dollars or something yeah you know? and it's like exactly it's exactly it sounds exactly the same as like the old um Roland one you know yeah um but that track was just done using that and done all in my kitchen um and kind of happened pretty quickly really like it you know sort of like just got them like came up with that main sort of little synth line um and then just kind of played around with it built built and built and built on top of it um until I sort of like was able to kind of like make some structure out of it. And then, yeah, it was yeah. done after that. Yeah. I, I find a lot of when I'm making music or doing sound stuff, that's kind of how I, I just do it now. I mean, some of my favorite contemporary SoundCloud ambient tracks are just done in one take. I mean, yeah, but there's a lot. I'd love to be able to do more, more of that kind of stuff, you know, just like more kind of, improv one take things um but i've just been so used to kind of working in this kind of like almost like collage like you know building layer upon layer 
um, way of working for such a long time now. But yeah, no, yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying about? Oh, oh no, 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 no. That's that's a really interesting uh, way of way of putting it. I just one of the things I wonder though is you know because geography I think plays a bigger factor into the way in which we sort of experience culture than meets the eye. And like as somebody who moved mid pandemic from a sort of like major hub of cultural production, Los Angeles, where, you know, you have a lot of art world stuff, obviously not as much as New York, a lot of, you know, dance music, a lot of music in general is is coming out of that place and moving to a place like Texas I've noticed Mm. like I've been to some raves here and tunnels and I have like a friend, like a, like a duo who make, they dress like Norteño Ranchero cowboys and they do like a kind of almost almost Elijah Crampton sounding, Okay, you know, it's, it's like a deconstructed uh, nightcore Norteño music. Uh, but you know, it's like are these like people you'd heard before, or just like random stuff. No, it's just it's just random it. people. Well, actually, yeah. one of them uh, listened to the show, and he hit me up when I got into town, and and he was just the kindest person, and and, and That's just great. you know, like cooked me dinner, and I met his wife, and and to find out that he also makes this like really sort of impressive geographically local localized stuff that really you know it sounds like it it comes from texas and you know there's like the halcyon Vale people here too Mm. and there is something like to be said about starting something in a place that's regionally like i think the way the internet is kind of working is that because if you go to New York, everything is sort of downstream from what happens on the internet. Like all culture is kind of downstream from this digitized um, place where people in the real world and these kind of agencies are, are picking up on, they do a lot of trend forecasting and they take what's going on there and they sort of synthesize it to the real world. Obviously to make decent, you know, some people make great sums of money by doing this. You know, it's it's the typical counter bricolage thing, but it, I think the moment a lot of that, I, I, I think you can hear a lot of that in in a lot of contemporary electronic music. I mean, I hate to sound cynical again, but yeah, it does kind of feel like a lot of uh, I don't know that there's just a lot of music that is made with a a certain demographic and I you know like function in mind. You know, and I yeah. and, and I guess maybe that's more kind of how, how do I put it? Is it is sometimes it almost feels like people are kind of like making music with as a sort of like calling card for like corporate sound design jobs. Yeah, kind of how how it feels to me sometimes. I don't know. It's like there's like I I think there's a lot of like really good creative electronic music being made by younger people at the moment um Same. and you'll you'll find that easily do you know what i mean but like i i'd kind of say like a lot of the last of the last decade i've kind of like yeah seen 
it's especially people kind of closer to my age, I would say. Oh, know? exactly. Like, yeah. I, I have almost no hope for the millennial generation. But you go on yeah. SoundCloud and you'll you'll see some somebody with this cryptic name that's you know copy pasta that's not even searchable, and you'll find out that it's like a sixteen year old who's just throwing this stuff up on the internet, almost like mm. it, it, almost like he's like it's almost it's almost like this younger generation is so attuned to this kind of like end time logic that they're almost just doing this stuff as, as a way to, to seek something beyond what we have right now. And I think a lot of millennials are so materialistically focused, even if they say they're not, even if they say they're a socialist they're it's all predicated on this, and I think this this very sort of nihilistic materialism, as where the, the younger generation they don't have that um, they don't have that embedded because they're all just so like everything is fucked um, mentality. Like they're so mm. anti ideological, and I I think that that's a I kind of think that's the sort of like future of of art. It, just because of the way in which all these agendas have been so easily um, declothed, and so it's a it's a really strange time, I think. But I, I'm I'm almost hopeful in that sense because when I find something made by some kid or some some edit that they've done, it's like that's what I really enjoy doing is is just going on SoundCloud and looking through all of these strange arcane accounts where it's like user xy's you know like blah 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 with like do wing dats and whatever and and just hearing what what they're putting out yeah i mean going going back to that point about uh you know like millennial generation being more material focused i mean i think like definitely that you, you you can sense that with music and the way that a lot of these kids are just kind of putting out their work, um, you know, just like the whole thing of just like throwing, making a piece of music, chucking it up on the internet is interesting to me because I'm sort of of that generation where the whole structure of making music was you would make music, you'd make an album, then the album would be released on you know, CD, vinyl, you know, it, it, it would exist in a material form. That's what you'd be making music for and that's how it would appear. But I guess like now these kids haven't really sort of grown up with any of that. You know, you're getting kids like in the like teenage, teenagers now who have never grown up with that whole thing of going to a record shop to buy a record, you know. And there's like... I see a lot of people kind of moaning about this, this kind of stuff. But, you know, even me as someone who fucking still buys records and still does kind of have like a romantic attachment to that kind of stuff, I guess it's like this, this whole idea of that being completely, that whole thing of being completely irrelevant to a new generation of artists is kind of really fascinating to me, you know? Um, And definitely do feel like in the last like this is this is something that's really felt apparent to me since the pandemic like coming out this side of it compared with where we were when we were going in is i felt like 
for the first time in my life, I'm seeing a generation of kids doing stuff where I'm like, I don't know if I really understand what this is or, or where this is coming from or like what their frames of reference are, you know, yeah. like, and I think that's really good, you know. I do too. Yeah, it's like, it's super exciting, I think. It really is. It's yeah. all of the best art is is coming and all of the best literature and all of the best ideas, I think, are coming by this this sort of new atemporal generation that is honestly on a sort of like, um, you know, brain processing level of a, almost, it's almost like they exist within their own civilization. That's, it's almost mm. alien to the people who had lived uh, prior to this moment. And I think that, you know, what I'm starting to see more and more is it, that actually gives me a lot of hope is I, I seek to understand this stuff. But one of the things that I am uh, a little bit worry that worries me is that people of my, of, you know, our generation, what you want to call millennials, are already seeking to attach themselves to this stuff, are already seeking to um, try to find ways to make material what is essentially immaterial because these kids have no ambition of putting out vinyl. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, to them, the concept of putting out a tape, like I, I, I'm actually speaking with these rappers right now to do like a, a couple tapes for them. And the idea of anything physical just seems so like, it's almost like bewildering to them as where, you know, for us, it's just, you know, regular stuff. I mean, I was a yeah. musician for 10 years. I, I, I just expected, you know, and obviously, you know, with the label that I was in bands on Drag City, it's like, well, we put out your vinyl, you're going to have to tour at least three to four months out of the year, blah, blah, blah. You have to sell the record. You have to do X, Y, Z thing. And now these kids almost have this freedom because they don't have this, like, the the structure of patronage is so different and the and also the expectations that people of a certain generation have versus the other i think is so different anyways that it's almost like there is a purity and there is a beauty to it and i just i think that to me that's where all of the interesting things are going to come about mm. well yeah i mean we i guess we kind of come from that last like that last generation of like people who liked buying stuff and having stuff. Um, and I still do, you know, I still like buying records, books, you know, like yeah. whatever, but, it, but like, yeah, these kids don't have that, you know, it's like they, they don't need it. They, you know, if, if they want to access that content, they can do through other means. Um, and yeah, it is kind of funny. Like, I guess people will always try and um, attach that thing to it, I guess, as a way to kind of, I don't know, like, it does feel a little bit, um, not predatory, but, you know, I guess, like, tr- you're trying to make a exploitative perhaps i don't know like yeah. i don't think a lot of this stuff it needs to necessarily exist on on vinyl 
um, like partly sometimes like the the medium is the message or whatever you know however you want to put it but it, it almost like, seems to me like because it feels like it doesn't need to exist on vinyl it should be made on vinyl <laughs> uh it, it's almost like, sense, like it, it's almost like because i think with art at least like this is my logic when i started this project like i wanted to make handmade cds like i just released albums on cd that were hand burned because I wanted to make something that nobody needed. Like yeah. the way the way culture kind of works and Régis Debray the the French mediologist said said something I think very profound about this. He said the way culture works is that it goes against the grain. It creates audiences in spite of what's happening because it's in, like culture is almost cultural objects are almost immaterial or almost transmaterial in their own right as where uh consumer entertainment is uh, is sort of si- is 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 fulfilling a need it's fulfilling consumer needs you know you're creating a commercial product to sell mm. um but you know there's almost a tra- and i think that's that's i think that's a basic way of saying what what constitutes all art is that there is a kind of, even within the, the space of objects, I think if you take something that is wholly almost um, incapable of being uh, used, like, like, let's take an example of like these SoundCloud ambient tracks or whatever. And like, you know, people would say 10 years ago, you didn't put enough time and effort into this. This, you know, this doesn't fit, you know, the MIDI isn't sequenced. It's, you know, you're just playing, uh, um, you're just doing things to do them. Mm. It's just sort of born out of this pure inspiration. And I feel like that's missing from a lot of electronic uh, experimental music because so much of it is just, you know, rehashing these older forms. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's that thing of like, if it doesn't exist materially or, you know, like if, if you can't sell it, does it really count as art at all? Or if you can't sell it, it changes the way some people are going to look at what yeah. it is. You know, like, yeah, like it, it it changes its relation to how it's perceived by some people. Um, and yeah, it's like, yeah, I had a, like, there's a, a friend of mine who used to do, she's an artist, like she had, and her main thing was performance, which is difficult to sell materially. And as such couldn't get any kind of you know like was eventually had problems kind of you know showing work in places or whatever you know i mean i think that's kind of yeah you could probably say the same about music i guess yeah i don't really know where i was necessarily going with that but no that's great yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) so what are your plans for this record because there's a do you have any plans because i saw the 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 album art looks incredible uh the Everything looks so good, and yeah, I, I think it's going to, you know, do very, very well. It's it looks, it looks fantastic, and I think it's just an, a beautiful sounding album. Like, would you? One of the things I'm like, do you listen to any kind of? Because there's guitar on it too. Um, yeah, there's a little bit on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed. Do you yeah. play it? Do you play any sort of like? Was that you playing that? Because I don't, I don't know who played on the record. Like, I have no. I just assume it's all you. 
There's yeah. I so I I played a bit of guitar, and then my friend Mark, who he lives in New York, actually, he used to play in, in that band Sightings. Do you remember them? Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, kind of like noise rocky kind of bands. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. He and he plays on a bit of guitar on a couple of tracks as well. So there's like a mixture. But yeah, like in in terms of like ideas i don't know i'm, I'm just going to take it as it comes i think really you know and play it by ear i'm not i'm tr like i'm kind of done with being too too cool uh, career <laughs> careerist minded like yeah. not like it, you know like i'm just I, I think i'm done with trying to make too many like plans with yeah. regards to music because a lot of the time you know like you you you, you find that they don't happen or you know or if they do happen, like they happen in a way that, you know, ends up them kind of being a bit shit or whatever, you know. So like, yeah. I think yeah. I just write, you know, I'm I'm just going to take it as it comes. I think like and see what happens and like you know say no to you know don't uh, like I I guess I was in this position a few years ago where I was like trying to make a living off of doing this, mm. and I felt I had to. When you're doing that, you feel more of an urge to just say yes to everything that comes your way, regardless of whether you feel comfortable doing it or not. And now I'm in a position where I don't have to do that. So I can be a bit more selective about what I choose to do. Right. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I mean, I confirmed my first gig since February 2020 yesterday. Um, and I've got a couple of, I've had a couple of offers come in for like festivals next year, including one which sounds, you know, kind of sounds interesting, might have like an opportunity to do something like visually with that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to see how it comes really, like not try and sort of um, make too many kind of serious plans, I guess. Yeah. What what books have you been reading? Are you um, are you reading anything right now? Is there anything sort of like um, conceptually um, inspiring? Not really. I mean, I have, I, have, I have a bit of a weird relationship with reading. Like, I I'm I'm a bit shit at it, but I do like it. So, um, like I generally it it will take me a long time to finish a book, but I will finish it. Like um, and. I'll sometimes be reading like three books at once. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I just started reading this uh, like memoir of by this guy called Ian Bone, who um, started he he started this organisation in the UK called Class War. Don't know if you've heard of it. It's like an old like anarchist guy, but he's quite a quite an eccentric character, I guess. So I've just started reading that. Um, I'll probably finish it like this time next year, you know. Um, wow. Yeah. So is it, um, yeah. I mean, I kind of like reading like a lot of like kind of like memoirs and like biographies and, you know, things like that. I do try and read some theory every now and again, but, I, but it's like, yeah, can be quite dense, a lot of it. Yeah. No. I'm, it, a bit of a, I'm a bit simple when it comes to reading, I guess. No, that's great. I've... You know, I found it's such a difficult thing to sort of explore because on one hand, you know, like I'm a pretty theoretical person, but mm -hmm. 
But on yeah. the other hand, I'm also like yeah, you go a, quite deep with it, don't you? A butt rock guitar player. So I, you know, it's yeah. always that's it's a good combo. I, I mean, that's kind of how it is. <laughs> like I play like southern guitar rock guitar solos, and I, you know, I played on the last Royal Trucks record, and I've been yeah, working. Did, did you play with Royal Trucks? At that Berserk Town Festival. No, I didn't play with them. That, ah, right, but okay. it was Brian who was playing bass. But I played with Black Bananas. I used to play with them too. Uh, right, right. And so, you know, just coming from that from that background and and always sort of like having to hide the fact that I was into theory was it was it was really really strange because nobody in rock music or in any of these spaces had any interest in it until I think you know towards the end of 2020 it sort of became all these memes started cropping up and it became like something more and more people were getting interested in as they were looking for clarifying tools to uh, try to I guess understand what was going on in the world and Mm. and I think it especially politically you know politically i don't know what your politics are i have i assume that you're you know just a cool guy who likes you know free expression like me i i'm not an ideological person in any sense that's just that's kind of how i how you know i'll talk to pretty much anybody i think that's a good way is there any do you have any sort of like political commitments or is there anything that you're sort of not anymore no i i i I did at one point but uh i i I just like kind of like i'm kind of like trying to untangle my relationship with politics i guess or or just the way i think about it um because i just found it just makes me really depressed yeah and i think it honestly has the potential to bring out the worst in you if you obsess over it too much and especially if it's all kind of like done online as well you know which which i feel like a lot of it really is now these days yeah um it's a lot of larping it's a lot of yeah it's just I, I really think the best thing we can do is just sort of detangle ourselves from 20th century anthropocentric ideologies. I, I just don't think any of them have really served us in any positive way. And <clears throat> because well, it kind of feels like, I, I, I don't know, man, like it, it, it kind of feels like a lot of like a lot of what's happening is accelerating at such a kind of like speed. It's going beyond the point where any of this where any of this stuff is going to become relevant or remain relevant do you know what i mean yeah and i think covid has made that feel even more apparent i mean it certainly has to me i mean there's you know there's certainly things like i think economic justice is really important but i think this the whole kind of like left right binary it's kind of over <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely, it, it's starting to feel like that to me. I don't know, like, and, and I don't, and the, the thing that the left in Britain seems to have is like it has a weird sort of, it puts a lot of hope on electoral politics. 
yeah which i think is kind of really now a lost cause in the in in the uk I think it's a Honestly, lost cause here too. I mean, I think it uh, probably is as well. Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, I mean America you know, is fully last, ending. Yeah. Uh, the last election in the U.S. kind of, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't get too deep on politics, but I mean, I, I definitely think the last election in the in the U.S. definitely kind of proved a lot of that as well. You know, there's not yeah. really like there's no diff like there's no not really a huge amount of difference between what you have to choose from over there. From what it looks like to me it's just two different flavors of the same thing yeah and it seems to be in the uk a very similar thing as well and I, one of the things i think is kind of interesting is you're having all of this sort of like geopolitical tension right now between the eu and the united states and i think it's um i think a lot of it stems from you know macron wanting to be his own sort of like He's trying to cultivate a new sort of U- European uh, global power, like a pan-European global power. And he also um, is pitting the kind of what he sees like the failures of what America exports culturally around the world, which he calls like wokeness or uh, whatever. You know, obviously it's a huge joke here. Uh but it's almost like such a joke that none of it can truly be re- like reinforced. It's a, it's almost like <clears throat> like the the simulacra of these people. Like there's such a it, it's almost like you can't really criticize it because nobody's really in charge, and and because you, you can't put a face on anything, it almost becomes harder to make any sort of discursive statements about the state of the United States because. You know, obviously, um, it it almost seems like nobody's really in charge of this thing, and so mm. it, 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 it which is almost kind of brilliant in a sense because then there's no, there's nobody to sort of scapegoat or put the blame on, and I think it's a really sort of difficult time for for people to who had all of this hope in in populism and economic justice and all of these things and. You know, in the past, populism served a very simple, basic function. Like you had, you had Caesar, who was sort of represented the people or the popularists, versus Augustus Octavius, who was pro-Senate, kind of cosmopolitan, you know, pro-austerity and authority and, and statecraft and that sort of thing. And so at, there was like a moment where it was like very, very clear like if somebody's going to fuck the people over there will be uh you know at least a kind of like adequate response to the process of stripping people or denying them of material conditions that others elites have access to and they have access to in these but it's almost like since nobody is really serving anybody anymore, it's become this really strange thing, which is almost why it's like, how do you speak truth to power when power is so diffuse, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, in the UK, I guess like really does kind of feel like, you know, we, we live in, we sort of have this like illusion of democracy and we're kind of like led to believe we, you know, that we have the democratic right to elect a, I don't know, like a prime minister or or whatever. But really, like, I, I kind of feel like we 
what we have here is something much more like an oligarchy. Yeah. Which kind of controls, which sort of puts this illusion of democracy, which is very easily controlled, like via uh, the media. And, you know, I mean, this is kind of as kind of like, well, cons- conspiratorial, I'll, I'll, I'll get about it, I guess. But I mean, that really kind of seems how it, like, as, especially since our last election where so much of it was just like, you know, controlled by the press yeah, and things like that, you know, like I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it just kind of seems, uh, I just, it seems fully fake. I mean, all over the yeah. world, it's just, everything looks like a banana Republic. And, yeah. And, like and I kind of feel quite sort of like angry for not noticing it more at the time. I mean, I, I guess I did, but like, you know, but but you but there is this whole idea of that. You know, like you can beat it. You know, like if you have like enough. You know, if if there's enough of you to kind of get together and do it, but it kind of now feels like unless unless we're talking like complete like violent uprising, which even that the, I, the I ground don't... up. Well, yeah, you, 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 I don't you, even I, think I, that. Well, that can't even achieve me any sort of aim because. The way in which this kind of system works is that it's it fully functions and operates itself, and it sort of selects for optimized agents or people or faces to sort of kind of like shallowly trudge alongside of it or stay above water as its as its face. But it, mm. it becomes very, very difficult because who do you aim this thing at? It's not, um, you know, obviously you have bad people who are um, really, really have horrible intentions. But it almost feels like the, the Gestell has just, you know, it's almost like selected these people through some self-deterministic process to you know, be the face of this thing, which is almost why I just, you know, I think the best way to be is just to be as cryptic and weird and non-idealistic as possible. I mean, it sounds like a strange way of, you know, revolutionizing politics and revolutionizing what it means to be a person. But in many ways, I really do think that almost this kind of like anti-language is, is the way to go. Mm. Like there shouldn't be a language associated with intent the same way that it, it, it's been manufactured in the past because the, the powers are so great. Like one way I think about it is almost like what we have now and what I think I would say with your, like your record resonated with me. I think resonance is what we need to start seeking rather than power. I think if we can have more of a of a cultural resonating impact amongst, you know, people or people who are attuned to a certain way of thinking, a certain way of being, that's almost greater than any power in the world because you look at these politicians and they have millions of followers on social media and they'll post something and it will get incredibly low engagement even though people are following and I guess ostensibly following them to hear what they have to say, but they're not. And I I, I mean, even like even journalists as well, like you look at some, 
you look at the Twitter accounts of some like political journalists here and their engagement is like pathetic, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah like, you know, thousands and thousands of followers, but like, you know, you can ma only managing like about seven likes on a fucking tweet about something, you know, and I, and I like, that's not really stuff like I don't really, I can care less for things like Twitter statistics, you know, but yeah, I mean, in course. that kind of context, it like it does, it does definitely show you how, how seriously a lot of these people are taking. And they're I think not taken seriously at all. I mean, yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no one, like no one fucking believes a word they say more than the fucking, they, they do the politicians at the end of the day. Um, and I think there's a kind of, yeah, a lot in what you're saying about, you know, there's more chance of you you have more chance of influencing someone by creating a piece of work that has the ability to, resonate with them as you say or make them feel uh, you know even just make them feel nice yeah at the end of the day then you are like just preaching not preaching to them but you know but like but slamming something down there or attempting to slam some kind of like ideological thing in their heads like yeah. i think people are like going to be less receptive to that approach i do too and I, so in, in many especially in this day and age yeah. where it feels like everything is so kind of like everything is so fucking loaded you know like everything is like about something material or or you feel like everything kind of has to be yeah. um yeah it's just almost why i think like that's never like I, I i never got you know like i've been making this music for like 15 years, you know, I guess like it's like, that's never been something that's ever that I've ever wanted to do with it. You know, like the music has always purposefully been cryptic and it's always been like, you know, the, even down to the, like the facts I chose the name Helm to present my work under and not my real name. It's like, you know, it was never kind of meant to represent anything. Um, material in like in reality yeah that's uh, that's actually that's actually very that's a good point you make um to sort of as an artist not not make appeals to material reality but actually something beyond that scope entirely and i i think you know i think what people are more and more, you know, sort of um, wanting or needing is, you know, they need that kind of, they need that kind of like resonant energy. I, I think that's what, I think that's really what you kind of nailed it is that people do need a kind of escape. And, and I, I know you've spoken a little bit about, as I listened to your uh, SOS episode, how you talked about how music is kind of like escapism or art is, should be an escape. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do remember kind of saying that and then afterwards thinking, Oh, do I really think that? But I, like, but, I, but I do actually think that is like, that is important to a lot of people actually, you know, and like, it's definitely important to me. Um, I mean, like music and art kind of just perform so many different functions, doesn't it? It has the ability to kind of like, transform and like just it it's malleable in terms of what function 
it performs to a different person at a different time, yeah. I guess. Um, One of the things I will say that's become increasingly troubling about its malleability is that it, it almost seems like with music, um, it used to have you know, a social or cult, like truly culturally organizing or centralizing fun- like function and that you could create cultures out of sound. You could create cultures out of, um, out of making, uh, out of cultural production, but it almost mm. seems like the way... I mean, things like, you know, yeah, like I guess a lot of dance music was providing that. Yeah, dance music was providing that, but dance music has become so corporate. And it's almost like everything has become so corporate that it's But it still kind of masquerades with that illusion of it being like a collective communal experience. But it isn't the collective communal experience. It was when people actually needed that to escape or at least give them a space where they could exist freely as themselves in, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, like, yeah, like now it is so like corporate and marketized that it just, it just feels empty, feels kind of just like completely hollow, you know, to me anyway. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a cynical old (laughs) fucker, you know, but I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't deny these feelings. Yeah, well, yeah. you you shouldn't deny them. I think mm. I think people need to hear what how people actually feel, because yeah. I I feel the same way. I mean, the whole reason I got into podcasting was because of my dissatisfaction with the kind of material corporatization and the kind of lack of of conversations that were surrounded within dance music. It was always very, you know it became like very politically correct stuff. And, and I think all music uh, had sort of lended itself to this creeping conformist logic of needing to attach itself to a political position as where I, I had basically tried to practice or crystallize a kind of like post politics. And that was not, and just, you know, gesturing this way, I think, is is can be so difficult it's almost like with dance music like the way i hear this music being made on soundcloud not to get back into this younger generation is it's not meant for the dance floor because they never had a dance floor to like to play to like yeah so it's yeah. almost like it's, it's almost music like, that's never been made with the intention of it being performed or performed played out or, or played heard out in a or, public space yeah so it almost and that's has, really interesting i think yeah, yeah. And, and so one of the things i find yeah exactly so one of the, almost like the the beauties of this of this sound the soundcloud music is because it's not meant to be experienced collectively it's almost like dance music for the individual mm. which i think is creating it, because that's its intention, it resonates on a certain frequency that I think most music that's meant to be played out in these public spaces, like uh, I just had on uh, Alexander Iadarola, and uh, he's you know he wrote an, a really interesting piece for Rhizome on EDM, how you know, and David Guetta and all of these um, 
these kind of like mega smash hit EDM festivals, all of the chanting has we in the title. It's always about this. It's like a simul. It's a. It's like a simulacra variation of collectivity because you know Marxism had failed and capital sort of pervades everything. And it's it, it, so. I think it's really interesting where um, it's almost like eavesdropping. Like your record almost feels like eavesdropping, and it feels very natural. Like I. Like I. I like listening to being able to listen to something in isolation that's made in isolation. And I, I would almost gesture on a subconscious level. You made it, um, for isolation, not knowing if there would be a, a collective rave experience or a collective music listening experience after this period. Yeah. Well, it, it, it definitely was, it ended up being like that, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny cause it went from, as I was saying before, you know, like it went from being something that was meant to soundtrack a performance, you know, which was obviously going to like, obviously going to be played in front of, in front of people in a physical space. Uh, it went from that to kind of, yeah, like being this kind of thing that was made in isolation, not knowing if it would ever be performed at all, you know, Mm-hmm. by the end of it so it's kind of like a yeah it an interesting kind of like journey from one point to the other i suppose i almost feel like music made with this intention or art made with the intent of that it's almost like a service to something different you know what i mean because in a lot of a lot of times you know uh nietzsche was kind of like the first philosopher to self-aggrandize because you know, he had pronounced the death of God. God was no longer a sort of like function in his philosophical telos. So in many ways, because he did that, um, he was able to sort of look deeper into the the narcissistic function of language itself. And, and so like a lot of philosophy, you know, it sounds pedantic. A lot of it's, you know, trying to sound smart and shit. And a way to cover that up is to throw, like, God in there. Or, like, I'm doing this for God or, or whatnot. And that's, that's actually something that he, he references in why he seems so just like an egotistical piece of shit. Um, but it's almost just so honest to be like, this is... This is music because I don't know what's going to happen. This is art. This is philosophy. This is thinking because, you know, the, the conditions of the world are, that are being presented to us are becoming less and less certain. And millennials, obviously, we're famous for having a very difficult time with uncertainty. And, and so I'm just kind of like, whatever happens, happens, and I don't have any plans or anything and hopefully just keep doing what i'm doing yeah no i think that's a good uh that's a good way to be in this current time you know um yeah i mean like i haven't even left like i haven't even left the uk for almost two years now which is like that's the longest i've been without traveling somewhere since i was a teenager and that feels really odd to me but at the same time i've just kind of like i've got so used to it that now when i'm thinking about going somewhere i'm just like it feels like an ordeal you know like as i was saying earlier like trying to figure out all these new like kind of 
like rules around moving around in the time of like pandemic and um especially like now we've had the brexit thing as well you know like it's all completely like uncharted territory it kind of feels like it, a, a lot of it really does feel like starting again to be honest with you you know yeah. like yeah i mean it kind of even felt like that a little bit you know making this record in the end because there was like some things i was doing on it which were like some ways of working i haven't like done since well i guess like you know maybe like a decade ago or something like that so um just in terms of like using a lot of hardware and like some of the kind of more primitive recording methods or not primitive but just the more kind of i don't know just raw recording methods going back to going back to the beginning of the project i guess mm. yeah that's that's actually very yeah, it's it does feel like starting over. Everything feels like starting over. Every time anything happens, it feels like I'm starting over. It's mm. just a continuous pattern of starting over because things things are so much the same that you know, we're kind of stuck in this hell of the same where in order just to like gain any sense of novelty every time I do something I have to continuously keep doing it different and you know that can be very taxing and it's sort of a part of this burnout society that we're living in is this is this like need to manufacture novelty just to sort of like escape the conditions of where we're at right now where everything sort of feels like sameness but yeah. in seeking that novelty, it can be incredibly taxing. I mean, just keeping this project up for as long as I have has been very, very difficult. I mean, I, I work extremely hard on it. And it, it, I'm, I feel very blessed that, you know, I'm able to, you know, live cheaply off of it in, in many ways and stay independent because... You know, I've had people come to me and be like, hey, I want to buy you out of XYZ thing. And I said, well, no, because that would, you know, that would destroy the whole function of, of being able to speak independently and speak freely, you know, based on on what is presented in front of me at any given moment. And so to me, I think it's really, really important to to stay independent just so you can so you're not beholden to any sort of partisan uh, community because all community is partisan. It's not just political. It, it, it's so much deeper than, than that. It could be as anything as much as, as almost like sound, like changing your sound, you know, mm. we're all sort of beholden to our, or entrapped by this community that that we've appealed to at one point or another and it becomes very very difficult to to manage at the same time as this constant need to generate something that feels novel or fresh yeah i think it's probably easy like as easy to exist and create in that way now than it ever ever has done to me i suppose i don't know i mean maybe maybe that's just because I'm, I think about it more now and I guess being more established in what you do does allow you more freedom to do what you want or it just maybe makes you less feel less inhibited really because to you know me it I mean? almost seems like more inhibited like I, what, I to just 
I feel like the longer you go, you sort of crystallize a kind of practice in what you do. So it becomes more in, in order to do something, you have to keep doing something new, but at the same time, if you don't do, if you change something uh, too much, or if you go along with, it's very difficult because what you're trying to do is you're trying to establish an authentic ground, you know, at a moment where our kind of metaphysics are very, very shaky. It's almost like we've deconstructed all meaning to this place of, it's in many ways it can be really exciting because we can sort of reinstantiate a new metaphysical ground that's something very, very different than we had even realized or, or knew was possible. But it, it's a lot of work in order to do that. And mm. I think more... I mean, I think having that authentic ground like comes... I don't know how, how, how that feels to you, but I mean, to me, like, I guess to me it feels like... That kind of feels like something I'd, I, I don't really feel like I think about too much just because, and and that just kind of comes from having done this for a while now. I just kind of, I sort of feel like if you're serious about what you do or if you kind of put enough kind of time and work into it, into making it the best it can be, then that authentic ground will kind of always be there or, or be felt in some way regardless of like 100%. how the end result of your work is you know so like i don't know i mean i, I kind of always feel like that when i'm making records you know like i net like i always try and make there's no point in me to make another record if it's going to sound exactly like the last one right or if it's gonna you know or if it's but it can it's important to me that there's something that kind of connects them like and whatever that it like i don't know what that would necessarily be but i guess it's just kind of like a something that i feel like i couldn't even really articulate, you know, something you'd m maybe just maybe like feel from mm. listening to the music. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I a hundred percent agree with that. It's, um, I really do think rigor is incredibly important. I know Julian Nguyen, we were talking about that, how Velasquez, Diego Velasquez, he was sort of painting, um, this incredibly rigorous Baroque art, sort of as the Spanish Empire was crumbling. I think, I think if you're really serious about what you do and things are very, very uncertain, there's, there's almost a transcendental quality to that, which is why with this project, I've just gone in this very serious direction. I, I'm, it's like all serious. It's all sort of thought. It's all meditations on things that I think are serious, that I think should be taken seriously. And mm. in many ways, I think that that will, <clears throat> that's what is needed. I think, I think serious people are needed now. Uh, we've had too much irony. We've had too much um, yeah, joking. It's, it's, yeah. There's too many I jokes. Mean, I mean, Hoelbeck said it best in, in Atomized. He said, irony and humor is not going to save you. It's never saved anybody. And funny enough, um, I was reading something recently about during it's World poisonous, War II. really. It really is. Uh, yeah. it, when people say irony poisoned, there's a difference between being serious about, about existential or nihilistic questions or because there, and there's a difference between an ironic uh, coping mechanism in 
because you don't want to face you don't you don't want to actually face these questions themselves. They're too large. They're too um, consuming. And to sort yeah. of go that extra level, which I think I can see some people taking that that route. I think is actually a very good thing. I think that's ironically what gives us more time. What actually gives us more life. Yeah, and I think it's like it's a difficult thing to deconstruct. I suppose if you're like you know if that is how you are. Um, and it's obviously hiding something, you know, it's being used as a mask for a reason, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you should always take people at jest and you should always take them seriously. And I Mm. I think, I think you should always give what you, but I think it's very, you know, it's it's very, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of easy to, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of tend to find it easy when to tell the difference between, I don't know, like conviction and a lack of it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, just yeah. like, yeah, you, you can, I mean, so, yeah, like someone might be, if you don't have conviction on something that you're putting hours of time in, it's very, very easy to spot, I think. That's a hundred percent right. I think, mm. I, I definitely think now is is the time where we're just trying to reestablish what's authentic. I mean, I really do believe it. I think authenticity is sort of at a premium right now. I think, you know, and, and fortunately, yeah, I think it always kind of has been. Though. It, ha- it, it has, yeah, it definitely has. Sure, been. you know, and, and especially in the especially in the music world and it's like and this is something i've always kind of like tried to like always thought about it over the especially in the last few years it's like people really like uh, critics and people working in the creative industries are absolutely like thirsty for authenticity but they kind of very regularly lack it themselves and in kind of in their kind of like thirst and hunger for authenticity they kind of just like i don't know they they just get it so wrong a lot of the time they really do you see it so much it's almost like on one hand you know like i pour my heart and everything into something and i've seen you know i've seen people sort of gamify some of the spaces that I'm in in a way that really sort of you know it hurt it felt painful like because what do you mean by gamify sorry you know just just like um, you know you have people sort of forecasting trends and you know trying to get in on on what what people create that is authentic and has resonance and has something that was not sort of scripted. There was no managers involved. Like there, there's no anything. Yeah. Like, and, and I and I've seen that happen. And I've seen you know people will do anything they can to sort of keep people down. They don't have a everybody let's eat mentality. And yeah, yeah. And I it's think, almost like the, the only way they can truly understand it is to like kind of put it in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. then try to sell it as something mm. that is within that cage. And you know. One thing I find is that they'll never really get there. It's always kind of like, it's it's almost kind of like um, 
they can only sell the aesthetic sheen, but the essence of what that thing is, if there is an essence, can never really, it can never really be sold in, in a certain way. It can never really be reproduced. No. And, and, I, and so I think the way to sort of, you know, because I, I had a lot of, I had a lot of like doubts recently about this whole project and, and everything and just sort of like the state of, of, of what I'm doing and what other people are doing. And, and one thing I realized, like, if I can, you know, do something that I think is authentic and rigorous and serious and not sell out and not, you know, make any sort of decisions and actually say no to things that I think could be potentially harmful, which I'm learning how to do because as my ex-girlfriend says, you're a horrible judge of character and you're way too trusting. Uh, um, I think, you know, what I'm finding is you just have to keep going no matter what. And that's, mm. that's just kind of it, I guess. I mean, would you say like, especially like with this project, you're kind of like, you're definitely, it's, it, it's been a case of finding your feet over time and actually figuring out what it is you want to get out of it the more you do it. Mm, I would almost say it's not what I want to get out of it. It's, it's rekindling. Or what you want it to be. Well, it, it's almost so open that I don't want it to be anything. I'm always seeking that original spot of desperation that I had when I started it, which is Glock 9 in the mouth, like whole nine, very, very suicidal person. And and just sort of like giving myself that gift of desperation, which is why, you know, Lars von Trier just taking this medication that, you know, is making his hands shake while he writes a book and and I'll record six episodes in seven days and, and you know, sort of go through these very sort of like self inhibiting laborious processes in reading certain things that are challenging and always sort of like challenging myself to put myself in that that constant state of desperation to remind myself of why it is I do something a thing in the first place and and mm. fortunately that part has been very very difficult to replicate <laughs> like the the sort of desperation and people have told me like there is a almost like desperate not in sort of like a climby they're like there is almost like this like desperation to it in this way or uh i don't know if that's the right term but they're like it's coming from a place of like uh there is no other there's no plan b right yeah like what what would you be doing if you weren't doing this i guess like yeah i'd is, kill is that... myself i'd just be dead honestly yeah seriously I, I really do think that that's how i haven't been depressed in two since i started this project this is the first time in my life i didn't want to kill myself not once so <laughs> i mean that's kind well, that's, of that's kind of why i do it you know honestly. yeah yeah no totally yeah yeah i mean i'd probably say it's yeah like a lot, like I, I spend a lot of time thinking about why I'm still making music, having done it for so long, and especially when you kind of get to a point where it's like, well, you know, like financially, it's not what keeps me going. 
you know, it certainly helps at times, but it's not like, you know, I could quite easily exist financially without making music. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm always kind of questioning why I'm still doing it, you know, like a lot. And like some days I don't have the answer to that, but then some days it just feels so like so obvious, you know? Um, yeah. Like I just couldn't really imagine. I couldn't imagine not doing it. That's, that's kind of how I feel a lot of the time. Yeah, no, definitely. And I don't think any sort of marketing scheme or any kind of, uh, you know, publicity stunt can really, I, I don't think that can replace that. No, of course not. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. That, that's yeah. those things always. Yeah. Like they just feel, they just feel empty really to me. Like, I don't know the whole, like I've never been very good the whole um the whole thing of selling like selling my music i guess which is why i like working with labels because they can do that for me yeah you know like that's something i've never really enjoyed right yeah no i i i i'm a hundred percent with you i i've never enjoyed it either but um yeah no i it's it's a very very strange situation you know, and I, I think, you know, conversations like this, I think, really help me and it, it helps listeners, I think, sort of work out these problems as they come. You know, Definitely. I mean, I think like I've, I find a lot of the time, you know, with music and in, in music scenes, so many people are thinking like exactly thinking this stuff, but they don't. But because a lot of music now can be so competitive and it, it, this, this kind of goes back to that whole idea of like, like a lot of dance and electronic music. It's like people have sold this myth of like a, a collective experience and, you know, we're all in it together. But a lot of the time I sort of, you know, like, especially in places in Europe, like Berlin is a kind of like a perfect example of this, you know, like so many people just seem to be watching each other and kind of scared to really like be their own selves almost like you know everyone kind of keeps what they're thinking kind of quite locked away um and i just kind of feel like everyone just seems completely miserable as a result you know like yeah. no one is really having a great time <laughs> A lot of the, a lot of the time when I speak to you know people in these sort of like situations, if you sort of go out to I don't know like a gig or something like that, and you know, and I think kind of having these conversations or at least like feeling like you're able to, yeah, is a really really like important way of making sense of it, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um... Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a really good place to end on. That's a that's a good note. Yeah, no worries. How how long have we been? Uh, oh man, it's this has been long. For? This has been almost oh, right. two, this has almost been two hours. So I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. No, yeah. no, it's good. It, this one was like very mellow. I was almost in this like haze of having recorded so much, and some of the conversations were very intense and. I, I, I kind of like these laid back conversations as well. 
um, there it's, I, I really love doing this. This was great. I mean, hopefully no, I wasn't, hopefully I, I made some sense. I'm a little loopy today, but I kind of, I kind of like the delirious state and I'm just, oh, no, like, definitely. So, I mean like, yeah, like same, same here. It's kind of weird talking about a lot of this. I don't know, like a lot of this stuff kind of like feels so abstract to me. So like trying to articulate it can be, I find quite difficult sometimes. And I'm always like, you know, wondering, uh, did did I, did that actually make sense? Do people understand what I'm talking about or anything? But, um, but that's better. That's honestly, honestly, it's a lot, it's a lot better than like people think that being a really good talker is why people want to hear a podcast or, being able to explain a concept. It's like, no, it's, it's a feeling. It really yeah, is. Like, 100%, po- like podcasting yeah. is about feeling and it's about picking up fragments of. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Cause a lot of the time I'm listening to, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I'd say there's a good like 30% of it where I've kind of tuned out, you know, yeah, and I'm not, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm hearing people talking, but like the actual content isn't like registering. It's, it's not hitting and you know, and I, and I kind of feel that's totally fine, you know, yeah. like, yeah, like I think putting it in, putting it in that way is like perfect, really. It is, yeah, it is all about just, I don't know, it's about just feeling something, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of fucked up, honestly. Yeah, it is. It is big time. But I mean, I don't know, like that's so much of life has really kind of felt like that, I yeah. suppose, in the last like year and however long, you know. Yeah. No, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. It's yeah. Been, I don't really get the opportunity to do stuff like this. So it's, it's something a bit different. Really interesting. So, yeah.